0: Our guest today grew up in the Delaware Valley, a hotbed for basketball. He attended St. Joe's, which is part of the Big Five in Philadelphia, and upon graduation, embarked on his assistant's journey. After spending 11 years as an assistant coach, he became a, the head coach at Hartford at age 32. He's guided the Hawks for the last 11 years, and this year led them to their first postseason NCAA berth, winning the American East men's basketball tournament. Our guest is an enthusiastic, fundamentally sound coach who inspires his players to play at another level. Welcome Coach John Gallagher. Welcome, friends. Well, I've got Coach Gal here, and uh, his career, in 11 years, he's gone from being a player to being a head coach at a Division I school. So we want to talk a little bit about his journey. He was a basketball player, and want to understand, how did you get interested in basketball?
1: Where I grew up, the area I grew up, is a hotbed. It's Delaware County, right outside of Philadelphia. And uh, there's a lot of NBA referees that come from my uh, high school, Joe Crawford. Ed Malloy, Duke Callahan. Uh, so, and there's a lot of college basketball coaches, Steve Donahue, uh, Phil Martelli was uh, the JV coach at my high school in the 70s. Our high school coach, Bud Gardler, I credit him for a lot of people wanting to get involved. So, making the high school team was everything growing up. So, Cardinal O'Hara High School is exact, you know, when you grew up, you thought you made it, Jed, if you made the high school team. So that's sort of what sparked the fire.
0: And then you decide to go to St. Joe's uh, Big Five school and all that competition, playing at the Palestra and so forth. What was that like? Because didn't your coach in high school end
1: up being your college coach? So, no, my coach in high school, Bud Garler, was best friends with Phil Martelli. Okay. So he sent me to play for Phil uh, as a walk-on. And my whole thing, Jed, was at that stage is, I knew I wasn't going to the NBA. So what was I going to do after college? And I wanted to be a coach. So I, had, I, I spent three years under Phil Martelli just studying the game. And it was the best experience.
0: Talk about your journey till you get to Hartford, how that happens. You go to Hartford once in the, as an assistant, but you end up starting
1: um, at LaSalle, I believe. Yeah, so I, go, I leave St. Joe's. I go work for Speedy Marsh, famous Philadelphia. Basketball legend. I worked for Speedy for two years and then Billy Hahn gets the job and I go work for Billy for three years. And then at that, five years in, Jed, I had an interesting thing happen to me. I needed to get better, forget about where I was going. Uh-huh. So I went to Lafayette College and worked for Fran O'Hanlon. Uh huh. And that changed my whole life. How so? So Fran is a basketball guru everything that Fran does everything that Fran does is pure it's for the right reasons I mean the guy you know he's just if if he wasn't in basketball he'd be a mystic look he's the most interesting man in basketball because everything that we do has a purpose everything we do has a meaning on the floor and he taught me how to coach offense He taught me spacing. He taught me timing. He taught me how important ball reversal is, how important pain touches are. He he taught me how you have to value the ball. And, you know, he has two quotes I live by. Smaller the detail, greater the value. And then the other one, when you leave our locker room, it just says, leave it better than you found it. And that means leave every day better than you found it. And those two years are why I'm sitting here today. Wow. So now you had an interesting
0: move. You're at Boston college for like two weeks and then you end up getting a hard, how how does that happen?
1: So I get the BC job with Steve Dunneal, and I'm driving up 84 I 84 in in, on the way. And the AD calls me and says, look, we want to talk to you. Where are you? I said, I'm on 84. (laughs) She said, drive to my house in Manchester, Connecticut. I drive to her house in Manchester, Connecticut. I sit at her kitchen table. Three hours later, I get offered the job. We drive over to the president's house. I call Steve Donahue. He's the head coach at BC. He's two weeks into the job. I said, Steve, do you want me to turn this down? Because you gave me the opportunity. And he says, no, you got to go. You know how hard it is to get head coaching jobs? I end up that night getting offered the job. And the press conference was a day late, uh, the, the next day. It was it was really remarkable, Jack.
0: So now you, you, you've been there, going on your eleventh year. Well,
1: I'm on eleven right
0: now, on eleven, and, and it hasn't all been smooth like this. I mean, so talk a little bit about. I mean, you came in, you had some success. Then the last couple of years till this year it was a little bit rocky, and then all of a sudden this thing came alive, and you won the, and you won your conference.
1: So here's the, here's, I, I talk about like this, one and two were rebuilds, three, four were great, two great winning years, and uh, we, we haven't had that, you know, three and four were like the beginning of it, year five, I had two seizing ending injuries, uh, six seizing ending injury, seven, season- so year seven, so five, six, and seven, five was okay, like close to 500, six and seven were awful. And seven, they sort of told me. Well, they didn't sort of. They told me, "Look, you got to win next year." So the last four years, eight, nine, ten, and eleven, are the winningest four years in the history of the school. We broke records, and we were four consecutive semifinals, two championship games, one championship. But really, one championship game got canceled. Yet, right. last year got canceled. Right. So this right. is the this is the best two year run, and also the best four year run in the history of the school.
0: So what did you do? What did you change? Uh, anything in recruiting, uh, player development, offense, defense, staff? What, what, what did you do to kind of change the direction?
1: If we were going down, I was going to be involved in everything. I was – so my back was against the wall, and uh, I might operate better in that. You know, my cousin – I come from 53 first cousins. My mom's uh-huh. the youngest of 12. And my cousin had a great line to me. He said, the Irish don't work well in comfortable situations. We need our back against the wall. (laughs) So how did you celebrate St. Patrick's Day? Well, I'm in quarantine, so we didn't celebrate. I was preparing, so I didn't didn't celebrate. But, you know, the, the funny thing, Jed, is, like, I end up just taking, you know, every area, and we got better defensively. We got better with player development. We got better. All the areas, you saw great improvement. And Mike Lombardi, who works in the NFL, he was Belichick's right-hand man, worked for Bill Walsh. So Michael, he's a good friend. We were walking in Ocean City, New Jersey after year two of the success. And I said, Mike, I can't wait. I've been in a bunker for two years. I'm going to get out of the bunker. He taps me on the shoulder. He says, John, stay in the bunker. So I have a line to my staff. When the season starts, you got to go into the bunker. Tell all your friends you'll see them in six, six months, seven months. Stay in the bunker. That's been the key. We have been – we don't we, – it's all hard for basketball for seven months, every day.
0: Recruiting, high school, transfers. Uh, everything. So you, you hit all the different verticals to, in terms of putting your roster together?
1: All verticals, all over the world. We have to find who fits the neighborhood. So we have a a hashtag called the neighborhood and our social media. And what does it mean to be in the neighborhood? It takes a special person. You have to be a giver. You have to be selfless. I always talk to my players about it. You know, one of the greatest qualities you can have is being selfless. And we need selfless people. And that, that, that fits the neighborhood. And we have a lot of selfless guys right now. That, to me, is the most special uh, quality I think our program has right now, Jed, is just the the selfless nature of which we go about things. How would you describe your culture? I, I think it's giving, givers, guys that want to serve each other, okay? And then we talk about two things all the time. Are you growing? And are you preparing? Are you growing individually and collectively as a group? Are you preparing for what is next? Is it the opponent? What is it? And, and we talk about those two things. But you have to be intentional at a place like Hartford. You cannot, cannot, because I did it, you cannot say, all right, let's coach offense. What, what phase of the offense are we looking at? How are we attacking Baylor? How are we attacking Vermont? How, what are we doing? You have to be so focused and so detailed. you can't be scattered. Take our listeners through what it was like once
0: you were announced, once you won, but as you got on the plane and came to Indianapolis. describe what that's like now because it 's very different than any other time anybody's ever
1: played because nobody's ever played in a central location. so I'm going to tell you COVID. First off, let's go. Let me talk about COVID for a second. COVID for the Irish. The Irish do three things the best in the world. The best. First is we bury our dead. Irish wakes. We know how to celebrate people's lives. Two first holy communions. We celebrate them like their uh, their weddings. Winning championships. We celebrate them like we got into heaven. All three in COVID. We can't do. My uncle passed away. Guess what? Nobody could go to the, 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 the wake of the funeral. You had to do it online. My son, my son uh, First Holy Communion, nobody can come. Third, we win the championship, and guess where they have me? Two hours after the game, I'm on the plane to Indianapolis. I didn't get to see my family or friends. I was sitting in my hotel room at 8.30 on a Saturday night by myself, quarantining. I literally was laughing, thinking to myself, It took me 11 years to get here, and I can't even have a beer with my uh, family.
0: How do you talk about how the practice, how you understand how all that's organized? Because it's very different.
1: Dan Gavitt at the NCAA deserves whatever he's being paid. He's not being paid enough. Okay. 68 teams, 67 games in one location. You have literally each team has their own ambassador. So you have your practice time, you have your weightlifting time, you have your time you can go outside and get fresh air, okay? You have your meals. The organization, I I can't even tell you, he deserves, like, I don't even know how you you could do it the way they've done it. Him and his team deserve the, the biggest amount of credit. So we ended up, we end up in the morning, you know, we have our practice time. So, like, we lifted 11 today, okay? This morning, they, they, they give you time to work out. So I worked out this morning. You can go to a room. Hartford has their own little room. It's pretty detailed on how, and then you go your meals, and then you have. To the room, or do you
0: have to, you go to an area, and you're, and you're distanced apart?
1: So you you have an area that's only your area, only Hartford. And then next to us is Iona and, and Coach Patino, and across from us is Tom Izzo. Straight across and around the corner is Fran McCaffrey at Iowa, and it's you see everybody. So it's like it's almost like a Final Four, but it's the first Are round. You allowed
0: to talk to them, or you got to keep your social distance and you can't. You around. can talk to them, but you have to have a mask
1: on, so you okay. can social distance. So you know, Fran McCaffrey's a Philly guy, so I spent you know a couple minutes talking to him. It's very, 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 very interesting how this goes, but you don't see anybody from the outside. Like my whole family, I got 350 people coming in for the game. I can't see them. You got to do a Zoom with them or FaceTime. And they're, and they're across the street. That's crazy.
0: That is crazy. So, has, has, how has basketball in your mind evolved since
1: you started? You know what? I think it keeps evolving. I think the three, the three point line, is really valued. But I think finishing at the rim, everyone is – no one is taking the mid-range shot. So we're a different program. We take the mid-range shot. Uh, I've been on a lot of Zooms with Jeff Van Gundy. Jeff is like, I don't understand why people don't shoot the, the, the 15-footer. It's a good shot. And I started thinking about it because teams build their defense to defend the three and defend the rim. They don't build it to, – to, to shoot the 15-footer. Mm-hmm. It's a big debate in basketball right now. And I think for programs like us, we have to take what the defense has given us. So how, how about defensively? How how's that evolved? Yeah, like the last two years, last year we were number one in the country in defending the three-point shot, and this year I think we're eight or nine. I think you got to decide, do you want to hang your hat on t- running people off the three-point line? Or do you want to defend the rim? And the the evolution of it is if you can do both, you can win championships. So we've tried to de- do both. And uh, Jed, it's the hardest thing because you, philosophically, I see a lot of teams that say, you know what? We, we're just going to load the paint up and not let the ball get to the paint. And then, you know, in the end or in the, you know, First or second round of their conference tournament, somebody bangs 10 threes and they're out. It's hard. You got as a coach, you got to decide how you want to build it.
0: In terms of st- stopping the three, are you
1: a zone team, a man team? How do you both. you do yeah. both? So we do a one-three-one zone. Zone. We also do uh, a man-to-man, and the man-to-man has been really good. But the one-three-one has really set people off because you know not a lot of teams do it out there.
0: Well I mean, that's where Syracuse has an advantage in and, and Bayheim's played that forever, and the Correct. way he plays it is different than anybody else plays it.
1: It's so different
0: when you think about your opponent, I mean here you are first time in and you and and you draw and you draw Baylor i mean and that's uh how did your team react when they saw that first,
1: I think we were really excited uh just just to hear your name, you know they have this. The, the bracket on the side of the JW Marriott—it's fascinating the, the, what the NCAA did to it and our, they, our names up there. And for our name to be there and to have this type of national recognition for our university is just great because it's it, this is a special university, and I've been saying it for years. And now for it to finally get its due—it's great. When it, we settle down and you start watching all the film, you think to yourself, Jed, you think to yourself, wow, this is. I want to say this, Jim Calhoun at UConn did the best rebuild job in the history of college basketball, four championships. I think Scott Drew has done even a better rebuild job. If he, if he gets a national championship this year, it'll be on the Jim Calhoun level of rebuild jobs. That's how good of a job Scott Drew has done. The program, the culture, the way they play, It's been fun to watch them. I know we got to play them. He deserves a tremendous amount of credit for how he's done this job.
0: When you look around and you go back on your career, you mentioned the coach at Lafayette. Who else has been major influences in your life?
1: Yeah, Steve Dunahue at Penn has been unbelievable. University of Pennsylvania. He's been really good to me. He's really educated me. Mike Martin at Brown. Two guys that really, and then somebody that really affected my career, uh, Dan Leibowitz, who works in the SEC conference now for Greg Sankey. He runs the basketball for the uh, SEC. He got brought me to Hartford, and he was a John Cheney disciple. So w- through Dan, I do a lot of the John Cheney principles.
0: For our audience, what
1: that means, John. So, yeah, so John Cheney coached at Temple, and he's a zone coach. Really, he was the, the, one of the best educators of all time. He was way be, he was way ahead of his time, Jed. And J- Coach Cheney, uh, you know, through Dan, I learned so much about life, you know, education, um, and how we have to educate our underprivileged. John Cheney, to me, he was a pioneer. And uh, through Dan Liebowitz, I learned so much. Uh, and then the last guy, Joe Mahalik and Hofstra, in year six and seven, when we were struggling, Jed he called me every day every day, and that type of friendship you know you it's it's hard to believe it's just I look back at it and he has his own program to run, and he would spend fifteen minutes on the phone every day saying you're going to get it done there and now we have the four best years in school history, and I look back at those conversations and uh I'm thankful
0: when you think about your players. When they move on, what do you hope they take from your program?
1: So we say this when you join our program, Jed. I don't know how many championships we're going to win, but we will have two tables at your wedding. Okay, we will have two tables at your wedding. What I want you to take away from this program is truth. It's really important. Truth is what you have to focus on as a player. Beliefs are great, but truths are the most important thing. Sometimes beliefs get in the way of truths. And when you are in our program, you're going to feel love from us. It's going to be a community, a neighborhood that, you know, all these former players are coming back for this game. And the text messages and the family, that's a part of this. This is their moment more than it's my moment. And, you know, if you watched any of my interviews, this is a neighborhood, Jed. This is a neighborhood.
0: Here it is. You've been at this for your 11th year, and now you have a chance to go to the dance. And being able to uh, represent Hartford, represent where you grew up and your family and all those Irish people, I mean, it's, a, it's an exciting time. So I want to uh, wish you uh, and your team and the university the best of luck. And really appreciate you joining us today.
1: Jed, it's been great. And thank you. And uh, I love listening to your podcast.